0: For me, that's been where true transformation happens, when you find it on your own and somebody else is just guiding you to it. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery
1: podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is, or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host Moira Gorski, and so glad that you have come back to listen today. Um, some of my favorite days are when I can share with you uh, guests that I bring to you, uh, friends that I have um, that I have developed in the world, or people that I have met in my networking for my business, or just that have found me. Today, I bring to you Katie Ginecco. Um, She is a gal that I met through uh, networking. Um, in our businesses some few years ago. And um, as life has taken it, she has chosen to live a sober life and um, she has chosen to help other uh, women on that journey as well. And um, so I reached out to her and asked if she'd be interested in coming on here today. So today, Katie's joining me. I'm so glad you're here and welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Moira. I'm super grateful to be here and to share with you and your audience my journey.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, we start, we always start with the story, you know, of uh, your story. And I always tell my guests, you know, share what you're comfortable with. We don't have to have all the down and dirty and all that, but share what you're comfortable with of um, your journey in life and, you know, bringing us to the point that you decided that it was time to make, make a
0: change. Yeah. All right. I'm not afraid to tell my whole story and I can make it real short. Uh, I don't have to go. I can go into all the details without <laughs> making it long and boring. And actually my story is definitely long, but not boring. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm Katie Janeko and I've been sober off of drugs and alcohol since completely sober since, uh, August 31st of 2015. And what got me to that point, uh, well, I was 10 when I first drank. Uh, my parents had just gotten divorced. I was in fourth grade um, and I was at a friend's house and her dad was a liquor distributor. And, you know, we had little tiny shooters in the garage and we thought, oh, what a great idea. Let's have some drinks. And we we shot some hard alcohol. And uh, I don't remember if I felt anything or I mean, I'm sure I felt a lot of things, but I don't remember what those feelings were. Um... I don't really remember much of that time. I just remember I was very curious and and, and it sparked a lot of curiosity for me. And then it became like once in a while, my parents never drank, but my mom had uh, wine coolers in the, in the, in the fridge. So I'd think, oh, I can have a wine cooler. She'll never know. She she doesn't drink. So I'd pull the one from the back and have it like sneakily with a friend. And that kind of started my drinking career it wasn't alcoholically it was just out of curiosity you know i was a kid and i was just trying to fit in with the other kids and and that seemed to be the way to do it um <laughs> at least that's how it was for me and and i was also starting to feel like pain and feel what it really felt like to lo- have like such close loss to me like i had lots of death in my family i used to joke like i had been i've actually not a joke i've been to way more funerals than weddings in my life like I could count the weddings I've been to on two hands and I've count count I can't even count the funerals I've gone to on both my hands and my feet. Mm. So I had experienced a lot of loss, but not this level of loss, you know, with my parents separating and getting divorced. And that kind of was like the beginning. And then there was this like turning point around sixth or seventh grade where alcohol gave me a sense of peace and happiness that I had not. Felt for a couple of years. I was trying to feel it, trying to feel it, but I felt it. And I felt like, oh, this is a relief. It's, I feel this release that just happened. And then what happened next was, um, you know, I started, I, I was a straight A student, you know, I was on the honor roll, I was in all the after school things, I did three sports, I was a, you know, the varsity gymnast varsity softball player, varsity cheerleader uh, as a freshman you know and I was always striving to be like perfect and the best version of myself. And then life started happening again and it, it there's a lot of traumatic events I guess you can call them they're kind of little teas, like not big traumas but little traumas that just started to build up and and things not going how I thought a life should be for a, a young child. I thought that maybe my parents needed to be better parents, um, which they definitely, uh, you know, my parents just like, I'd like to say they were doing the best they could. I don't know that they were actually doing the best they could, but they were doing the best they could for themselves. Maybe not for the children they had, but for themselves. And so that kind of led me to a little bit more um, feeling like, I was more alone in the world and then I had to figure out how to t- do this and take care of myself. And cause nobody else was taking care of me. Like, yeah, there might've been a roof over my head and some food in my belly, but emotionally um, I uh, didn't really feel like I was being cared for in any ways. But when I found alcohol and drugs and I started experimenting with them some more, I found the sense of feeling, uh, nourished and loved and supported and held and emotions and all these things. And, but I still didn't drink regularly or do drugs regularly. Like I was in high school, like it was parties. I, I went to some of them, but not a lot of them. I didn't drink alone. I didn't like drink out of necessity. It was more of like, I want to feel less angry at my life, at my life situation. So then I guess I was like a teenager and and now drugs came into the picture and that's when, that's when everything really shifted. Cause up until then I was, um, you know, like building this life, right? I had dreams, I had still goals. I was still an athlete. I was still working on, you know, get going to college and becoming a doctor and doing these things that I really, really wanted um, and then drugs came into the picture because at that point I had moved myself out of both of my parents' house, moved in with my best friend and her dad, my junior, end of junior year of high school. And, um, you know, had a full-time, I've had a had a full-time job since I was 15, but it was a full-time job. And yeah, then drugs came in, they took over my life, everything that I dreamed about started to become a, a distant memory I started not going to school as often. My se- second semester of my senior year, um, I went from a 3.3 GPA to a 2.3 in one semester. Almost failed out of high school, which was crazy to me because, like, a year before I was varsity sports, honor roll, all this, like, life was still getting crazy, but I was still managing it really well and fixing it and controlling it. And then Yeah. And then the party life started for me and that became my main priority. So I started skipping school on Fridays because I would go out Thursday night and then I would go out Thursday through Sunday night and skip school Monday or take drugs to go to school Monday so that I could like function because I didn't sleep the night before. And, um, you know, I did that and that's what I did week after week after week after week and ended up like halfway through this last semester of high school. And I'll never forget this English teacher who asked me like, "Is everything okay?" And I just started crying. I was like, "No, nothing's okay. Like I'm living at my best friend's house. I hate my mom. My dad's in his full blown addiction. I don't know like what to do. I hate my mom's boyfriend. All this stuff." And so, he talked to my first semester uh, English teacher. and asked because I had like a 13% in English because it was my first class of the day. Mm-hmm. So I never went. And when I did go, I was just sleeping. And um, he allowed me to make up all of my homework assignments for the, that semester and take all of the tests. And he would give me 50% credit for everything. And that brought me to a 59.8% <laughs> grade to graduate, which is literally like point. of what you need to graduate high school not go to summer school and uh you know that was a blessing and maybe a curse too because then I was like oh see I can do whatever I want and it'll be fine because there's Mm. no consequence I graduated I already got into my college of choice I was fine everything was great so I went away to college and next thing I know um next thing I know I am uh At college, I'm thinking, yes, I made it. I'm going to start all new. Nobody knows me here. I don't want to do drugs. I don't want to be a big drinker. I'm going to really introduce myself as a new version of Katie. And uh, within like two or three days, I was smoking pot in a car with some late girl I just met rushing a sorority, getting drunk with two of the guys we met in the parking lot while we were getting high. And then there I go, like off to the races again. And it was uh, became a daily thing. We justified every day because we're in college now, and like everybody parties. And I was like, at least I'm not doing cocaine. And then I started driving back up to northern Indiana because it was only four hours, and I can buy a lot of cocaine and go back to school and and get get down with it, you know. And I just thought, this is fine. It's manageable. I'm still going to class. I'm going into things, but then it stopped. again, you know, I stopped going to class. I failed out of college my first semester. I moved back home. and uh, and and so I started building this story around, oh, see, i i I'm a failure. I'm not gonna make it like I'm just gonna keep going with this party life because it's giving me joy. It's i'm 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 a hippie. I'm free. I'm doing whatever I want to do and that was the the next 6 years of my life. Um it was just this like and i started all of the things i said i was never going to do i ended up doing because i ended up justifying oh well it's only one time. Oh well i'm i'm so high off this drug i got to come down on this drug. And uh and it started to become this like thing where i went from you know, a weekly weekend kind of partier to a daily partier to a needing it kind of all day something to kind of keep me feeling aligned with where I was going, um, which was nowhere. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which Which was nowhere. nowhere. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, like Mm -hmm. I was just like, all right, if I die, at least I die high. And that was like, right. That was my goal was just to die high.
1: I know. And it's really, I mean, just to break in a second, you know, like as I've listened to so many stories and I've seen it, you know, firsthand, it's just like these addictions, these disorders, these things take over our life and they, they help us feel safe. Like you said, you know, they're like, oh, I'm okay. I'm safe. If I'm this, I'm, I feel like I'm loved, you know, and it's just, and it's just this sickening type of um, life that the addict or the one with the disorder starts to live because it's just this, again, you feel like you're, you're being taken care of you're herds, you're in control and things like that. What, but it's in essence, you're not at all, but just that whole, and like, as a, as I've watched as a mother and somebody that loves those in front of me that are struggling, it's like, you're just like, what? And they say sometimes, you know, I've heard it said like, it would just be better if I die, you know, yeah. just be better, but I'm trying really hard, but it's okay if I, you know, and, um, so very sad. And, um, you know, again, very typical, if you will, of what these addictions, drugs, alcohol, eating, not eating all of those things, they just take over. They start to control your life and you think you're in control. And really in essence, you got none of it, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: That's exactly yeah. right.
1: And it's So like, how did it, the six years went along. And so how was it that you decided, okay, enough is enough. Did you hit a rock bottom as people have done or.
0: <laughs> you know, I hit all my rock bottoms way before my six years were up. Uh, so like, let's see, I had been arrested 21 times before 20 years old. And that's another reason why after that, I never got arrested again. So it was so easy for me to be like, see, I'm doing fine. But here's the delusion, and I'll tell you how this, and then tell you the next part of how I got to say, hey, enough is enough. Uh, The delusion I was living in was that I may not have been getting arrested, but I wasn't paying my bills, and I got my electricity shut off. And I had convinced myself that I liked living in the dark, and that I would be okay with candlelight. And, you know, when your electricity doesn't work, your hot water doesn't work. So then I'm taking cold showers and I'm sitting here like, it's fine. And I'm telling everybody, I'm fine. I love this life. I'm a hippie. You see, I can do this, you know? And so this delusional state of mind was just like constantly running my life. And then, you know, 26 hit the end of my 26th year. I was about to turn 27. Well, actually, it was kind of like the middle of my 26th year because I didn't get sober right away. But I remember I woke up one day after, after a normal night out, you know, it was a Sunday, we went to brunch with a bunch of girlfriends. I was, and I don't remember like drinking that much. I just remember having a couple of drinks and I woke up Monday morning and I thought, I am so dizzy. And this 18 month old is sitting here. And if I fall down the stairs, she can't help herself. She can't call 911. Like, and it just clicked. I don't know. I just I went online and I I took the stinking AA, like, am I an alcoholic quiz that you take? And uh, I'm not going to tell anyone listening. Just if you if you have that feeling, maybe go online and see it, and do the questionnaire. Uh, for me, it was a it was a yes, I was. And um and I cried and I, I finished my work day and I walked like two and a half miles sobbing to my first meeting and I remember being like, I am not an alcoholic. These people are alcoholics. They are doing crack cocaine every single day. Like, what is wrong with them? Like, I don't have a problem. So I left, but I never drank again. That was the last time I ever drank. And I started to, uh, <laughs> it's so funny to me because when I look back at the, the, the this memory, I'm like, wow, the even in the the beginning of it, I was still so delusional to think that I was not like these people, but, you know, God has a funny way of showing you who you are. Um, and so I left that meeting and and for the next, you know, a couple of uh, months, I started to realize that I had a serious drug problem, like alcohol. I knew was a problem that was easy, but once it was removed and I was still using daily, I realized that holy cow, this is a problem. And again, still though, I was not willing to like actually, I did not want to be sober. I was not coming to AA. I was not doing those things. I was going to take a year off starting January first, 2015. And I was like, I'm gonna take a year off. And so I quit everything, cold turkey, December thirty-first, twenty fourteen. I went to a concert and like got as messed up as I could at the sh- clock struck midnight and I was done. And, uh, and I was able to do that. And, th- but I sustained it with, with pot, you know, cause I wasn't willing to give that up. That wasn't a drug, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a smoking device. It just <laughs> And now I, I still don't think it's necessarily the worst thing, but for me, it just didn't work. So yeah, so that, and then I had some God moments and like, I ended up going to AA because of somebody I met it through a thing that I did and my uncle Andy and it was just like these these things started happening and um and then I got sober in March of 2015 and completely sober off pot off everything was going to AA meetings was like this is great life is wonderful I'm going to move to Colorado <laughs> and uh, everyone told me not to do that they're like don't go to Colorado I went to Colorado against everyone's suggestions. And, uh, as soon as I got there, I, uh, relapsed about two weeks in and, um, it was the best thing that ever happened. And I say that because it actually, because prior to that, I really didn't think I wanted to be sober. I was just giving it a try to see how I would feel after a year. But after that relapse and feeling so disconnected from myself for the first time ever, knowing that there was a feeling that was attached to connection to me. And I went the next day and I had this serious God moment. I ended up running into a parade of people, like hundreds of people downtown Denver, chanting, R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y, recovery is our battle cry. And I'm like, they're cancer survivors. <laughs> like, There's no way that's anything else. But I went up to them anyways and I asked, are you surviving cancer or are you surviving alcohol and drug abuse? And they were surviving alcohol and drug abuse. And they were mm. so proud and chanting. And this is the very next day from my relapse. And I'm thinking, FAA, I'm not going to recovery programs. It's all their fault that I'm here. <laughs> and uh, And in that moment, I joined the parade with my dog. I'm crying. I'm sobbing. I'm talking to this brunette lady next to me. I walk past the bar I work at, because mm. I got a job at a bar uh to move out to Colorado. Of course. And uh yeah, well, it this is my only skill set at that point. I was like, what else have I done? Nothing. So I don't know where else to work besides there. And and I walk past the bar, I'm hiding. We get to the downtown park, and I'll wrap it up here, the story part, because I know you have some questions that I'm sure you <laughs> want to ask, but I could talk forever. But this was a really, really pivotal moment in my life. Um, we get to the downtown Civic Center Park in Colorado, and I'm there's tents and thousands. I mean, thousands of people. Every anonymous program there is and I'm going around. I don't know anybody. I'm whatever. And I hear someone call my name and I'm like, I don't know anyone sober in Denver who knows me. And it's my boss from the job that I just got at the bar. Wow. And she's five years clean. And I just thought, okay, all right, God, I'm listening. Clearly you want me to do the sober thing. So I I got sober that day and that was August 31st of 2015 and I've never looked back and I never, and that day also like was the very day that everything was lifted. All of my desires to use my thoughts about using, it was literally gone. Cause I just had like a complete takeover of my consciousness by this thing that I like to call God, higher power universe, whatever I call it, it changes daily, mm-hmm. but it was like immediate relief that I knew that I wasn't doing it alone anymore. And then I had support from all these people who were doing something that I had no clue about, didn't really want to do. And was kind of like, okay, I guess I'll just follow this path that you're literally like burning for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I don't take it, I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's amazing too, how, you know, that's the thing, God, universe, whatever, how we see these signs. And sometimes we don't, sometimes we don't see them, right? The signs come and we don't see them or we don't want to, we just really don't want to pay attention. And sometimes it's, as it seems like with yours, it was pretty obvious, like, oh my gosh, like thousands of people are walking in front of me and somebody that, you know, the only person you know, it's those kind of like, it's those like, whatever you want to call it. It's a wake up moment. It's a, like you said, a total, like, I feel like it's, it's this, All of a sudden you surrender, but you don't like, you surrender into this trust or this feeling perhaps, as you said before, like you started to drink and do drugs and it gave you a sense of peace. Perhaps this realization or this, this experience was like, wow, there's a place that I can go to that is without all of this bad stuff. That's not really leading me right place, but I can the path, like you said, the path was pretty much laid out in front of you. And again, I've heard it from many before. They're like, they don't really understand it, but they know that that's where they're supposed to go. Or you don't know how it's, what it's going to look like, but you know that that's, that's the path you're supposed to take.
0: Had it not happened in that order, it would not have been the same outcome.
1: No, no, no. And did that boss of yours, I mean, not that it, but I'm just, you know, the curious type too, did she become like a very best friend and like a sponsor of, of sorts or just a support. She became
0: my sponsor (laughs) that day. That day I was like, will you be my sponsor? And she's like, well, why do you want me to be your sponsor? I'm like, because I don't know why I'm here or how I got here an hour ago. I was telling my dog that we're not doing programs. We don't need anybody. We've got this. And now I'm here and I don't know what else to do. So yeah, this is, we and then she ended up being my sponsor the whole time I was in Colorado, and then I moved back to Chicago and switched sponsorship and and did uh did AA for a little bit and yeah no she uh, she was a big 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 part of my recovery.
1: Mm-hmm. Brought to you by Gorski Wellness and the possibility of a better you. Are you feeling sluggish? Ready for a change? Need more energy? Up for a bigger challenge? I'm Moira Gorski, retired nurse and wellness advocate. For over 22 years, I've been helping people live healthier lives while making small changes each and every day. Those small changes lead my clients to living a healthier lifestyle with markedly better health. As a brand ambassador for the Shackley Corporation, the most clinically proven wellness company in the world, I guide my clients to make healthier choices each day with their food, supplements skin care workouts and mindset they say getting started is half the battle let's make healthy happen together if you're ready for simple natural sustainable solutions to feeling and looking your best let's connect you'll find a link in the show notes or reach out to me at moiragorsky.com. here's to a better you yeah that's awesome that's awesome And so I know that your journey has taken you down. Like when I met you, you were kind of helping people with with health and as well as I believe some spirituality and Reiki and things like that. But then recently, again, as you shared, you've been shared with me that you've been really looking to help, you know, really kind of focus that in, if you will, to really help those that are also have been on a similar journey to yours and um, with a holistic approach. So I'd love to hear kind of how that came about, how you had that, because you have been sober, but it seems like from what I'm seeing is that you've just made it much more public that you're sober, you're hanging in that community and you're there to help other people. If it's that you can be a friend or you can really be a coach to them to help them upon, you know, along their journey.
0: Yeah. So I never, ever thought I would be here in my life. Um, <laughs> I uh did not plan this. This was not like, hey, what are you gonna do in five years? Five years ago, even. Uh, this was not in the horizon. But um I started working with a coach because I wanted to build my Reiki practice more. And then I became a health coach and was wanting to help women heal their bodies. And my coach actually suggested, asked me, not suggested, she just asked me why aren't you a sobriety coach? and i thought, well why would i do that? that's what aa and na and sponsorships is all for. like I'm, there's no that's what therapists are for. there's not room for me in that field is what i thought. that was a year ago. and so for the last year i've been thinking about it and contemplating it and wondering if that was something that i really wanted to do and step into and you know i also about a year ago left 12 step recovery um i you know i stopped working with a sponsor i stopped going to meetings um and and that was a whole different thing that was happening and that was like a a rebirth of who i am in as a sober woman and during that kind of rebirth of who i am as a sober woman i started to realize that 12 step recovery really isn't for everyone and actually isn't for a lot of people. Like a lot more people don't go to 12 step than they do. And I thought, okay. And I don't go to 12 step anymore. And I I've been using all these other spiritual tools to help me along the way anyways, which I've always felt more connected to and felt more aligned with, um, from Reiki to, uh, like different spiritual journeys that I've gone on, and uh, different plant medicines I've worked with to help heal trauma. Working with trauma therapists, hypnotherapists—I mean, a spiritual therapist—all these avenues that I started, you know, using to help myself grow. And uh, about like it's almost been six months now since I've been a full sobriety coach. And it was all because actually one of my health coaching clients came to me and she asked me, uh, it was our first session. We had set up a whole, a whole health coaching goal for her six months. And on our first call, she was like, we were talking about her goals. She was like, I have to stop you right now because my goals have changed. And I was like, Oh, well, what are your goals now? She's like, I want to get sober. And I was wondering if you would help me. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And uh and it was, that was the first time somebody had asked me to help them get sober in this avenue, you know, without, cause she didn't want to do the 12 step recovery thing. It wasn't really her, her path. Um, so I started working with her and I started seeing her life transform and I started seeing her energy shift and her, everything about her, her confidence levels were shifting. Her personality was shifting her stepping into her power and her beliefs and her and her really her femininity around um you know being a really super powerful woman that she really was and who I saw when I first started working with her um and so now we've been working together for about 6 months and you know she has completely transformed it's so wild she has a way better relationship with alcohol than she did when she first came in and um you know she's constantly doing the things that she has found to be successful through working together and you know i love i love sharing tips and tools and strategy with her on what things she can do in her daily life to change her relationship with herself first because that's really what it's about it's it's you can remove alcohol you can remove drugs but until you get right with yourself Those things are just going to be an obsession that you think about to fix the problems that you're going through. So my focus with her has been to fix the problems she's having with herself first and worry about the alcohol stuff later. But in turn, she stopped using alcohol as much because she is feeling better about herself. So, you know, it's been a lot more of a gentler approach with her for me, um, because in 12 step, it's like, you got to quit now and then do these things. And, and I find that to be kind of harsh sometimes for people who are, who are struggling, you know, cause then they start to feel guilt and shame and these things about going to meetings because now they, they have to reset their count or their day count or mm. tell you like they fucked up, excuse my language. <laughs> they messed up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's all right. <laughs>
0: sometimes it's that's not, like,
1: not the what? first F bomb that's been dropped. I like what you're saying that sometimes, again, that it's for one, like one size does not fit all. There is value in going to a Charles debt program. There's value in going to an Al-Anon program for those that are dealing with those around them that are struggling with addictions, but it's not for everybody. You know, people can find, you know, cause people will have told me, well, those are like places where they just continue to talk about the past. And so like, how can they move forward? I mean, everybody has different opinions about it. But the point is it can help some people and some people need something different. And I think really what I'd love for people to hear um, is that it's not it's and as well, we've talked about on the show many times. It's not it's not the alcohol or the drugs that are the problem. It's that is something that you're using to cover up or deal with the pain or the fact that you don't like like. You know, uh, Chris Heron said, you know, he shaved in the shower because he couldn't stand to look at himself in the mirror, you know, and once he was off of drugs and all that, he could, his wife said that, wow, you're shaving in front of the mirror. And that's what he said, because I couldn't stand to look at myself. So if we don't deal with those things on the inside and don't deal with ourselves first, you know, then we're going to tend to go and use those things that are going to help us feel protected at peace, held all of those kind of, you know, things. And it doesn't really matter if it's again, alcohol, drugs, whatever, eating, not eating all that. It's just a symptom. It's what you use um, to take, you know, to deal with what else is going on. And as one mm-hmm. of the therapists said to my daughter one time, like, well, every everywhere you go, well, there you are. So that's the thing. Like, can't get really yourself. So you got to figure out how to deal with yourself if you want to live this great beautiful vibrant life.
0: Exactly. And you know, because otherwise you end up addicted to something else, whether it's addicted to going to meetings, addicted to spending time with everybody but you, uh addicted to your social life, sex, video gaming, candy, chocolate, sugar, you name it, shopping. It's like you until we deal with ourselves and and get to the real root of what what really started the process in the first place, you know, and that's something that I've really worked with uh, this specific client a lot with is connecting her to her inner child so that she can recognize that voice that is operating in her adult life and ch- helping her make decisions because a lot of times we're operating from like our six year old. And so we're making decisions from a six-year-old. And I heard recently, which was so awesome, it was like, somebody asked the audience, would you let your six-year-old run your life? Like, would you let your six-year-old make decisions for you? Like big decisions, like buying a house. Would you ask your six-year-old, do you think this is a good investment? And, you know, everybody said, no, of course not. But then we're all operating from a six-year-old traumatic body not realizing that really we're making all of these decisions from six Mm -hmm. we're not actually stepping into our adult you know person Uh, and that goes for alcoholic addict person non-whatever whoever you are you don't even have to have a problem you know Mm -hmm. but we all have trauma and we all have little traumas that we're making decisions from
1: well, we all have, yeah. And again, there's been people that say, "Oh, there's no big or t- little t and I, whatever." We've talked a lot about on that, on that, but it doesn't matter. We've all had life, right? We've all had things that have happened to us when we're six or seven or eight or nine or whatever. And there's a great gal, Michelle Chalfont, um, oh. who has a wonderful podcast. I love her, called the Adult Chair Podcast, and it's that very thing. Like we need to sit in our adult chair and and come to into life in our adult chair, as opposed to our, does she call it the child chair? I don't, I don't think so. But anyway, um, but anyway, it's that point that like the inner child. And again, I just recorded a podcast last week with this fabulous guy, Matthew Bronstein, who is just all into spirituality and meditation. And we talked a lot about that, like getting in touch with your inner child and it's been a journey. It's been a learning journey for me. I told him that I had been to a therapist once who, again, before I really knew what inner child and all that stuff was. And I wasn't even sure that if I wanted to believe that or anything, but she put a pair of headphones on me. She said, we're going to do this meditation. We're going to put a pair of headphones on you. And I'm going to just talk you through kind of this journey. Mm-hmm. Kind of, but, And people would call it past life regressions, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like she put headphones on and there was some music there. And she just led me through this conversation and imagine this. And it basically was taking me back to this point where I was a child and thinking this and da-da-da. And went and talked through that. Um, and how does she feel and what was happening? And for me to just really talk through that, if you will, and then what did I want to say? From where I'm at today and sitting in my adult chair, whatever you want to say, what did I want to say to that inner child? And as I told Matthew, it's like, I remember just saying, I'm going to put my arm around her and say, it's okay. You know, and that's, you know, that's a form of healing. That's a form of therapy. That's a form of going back and looking at those traumas or looking at our life because those things that happened to us, impact the decisions that we're making today or the that we made yesterday that we're going to make tomorrow and the gist of it is the way I believe that if you don't clean that stuff up and come to terms with that or tell that inner child that it's okay and be able to step into that our adult and kind of get you know processed through that, we're going to keep doing things based on that stuff right from the past. So it's, it's fast. I mean, that was the first experience for me and it was fat. It was very emotional. Um, but it was fascinating. And I've done some many, uh, sessions, if you will, and uh, meditations and things like that since then. And it's fascinating and it, it's, it's, it can be so, so helpful and
0: healing. Yeah. Yeah. It really yeah. is one of the first steps I have once we get to the inner child kind of work, um, the first thing I do is ask you to write a letter to your inner child, like asking her who she is and how old she is and writing with your non-dominant hand so that you can actually like be in pause and wait for that voice. And not just like thinking from your ego mind and thinking, well, you know the answers, but when you do it from your non-dominant hand, it gives your brain you have to think about writing. So you have to actually be focused on that. And then that allows the other voices Mm -hmm. voice to come through and kind of be that, the truth, the true voice of your inner Mm -hmm. child. Well,
1: that's cool. Yeah. I've, I've heard about that writing with a non-dominant hand, but haven't had it uh, explained that way. So I asked this question just with no judgment at all, but just have you gone through any, have you gone through any type of training? Um, specific training to do what you're doing, or as I've shared on this, like we become experts by experience, and sometimes we don't need all of those letters behind our name, you know, to be able to really help people. And so I just ask, just for a point of interest, if that's something, because some have done specific type of. I know you've done some Reiki training and things like that, but you have? Have you done any specific, or is it just been you've cultivated what you've learned and put it into this way that you can help others?
0: Yeah. So I am not certified as a addiction coach. Um, I am a certified health coach. I am certified Reiki. I'm in a trauma course for practitioners now. So I'll be able to uh, use that in my practice as well um, once I'm completed with it. But um, yeah, it's mostly I'm just experienced and I have a lot of experience. And you know, I'm very good at holding space for others to process because the whole point is I'm not here to tell you what to do or how to do it, what you need and what you don't need. I'm here to guide you into what you already know deep down inside and help you uncover that yourself. Because for me, that's been where true transformation happens. When you find it on your own and somebody else is just guiding you to it. I could sit here and say like, okay, this is the things, this is what you need to do. But really, that's not that hasn't been my experience of how I have been able to get and stay sober and live a life that I truly love. My experience has, and this is one of the reasons I actually left 12 step recovery was because the, the workbooks that they use are too like structured and they are too, like you need to do one step and then the second step and then this thing. And that was like not working for me. And you know, I needed to be more intuitive with my growth and really listen to what I need right now, as opposed to what somebody else thinks that I need. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, I'm. I, I it's just based off experience. I and, and that's how I even go into each session too. Is I show up and and ask you first, like, what is going on in your life? What's going well? What's not working? You know, let's let's work through that because uh, those when you you can become present enough to know what's happening in the in your now you have a way better chance at not picking up because you're actually becoming conscious of who you are the choices that you get to make and you know the path that you want to take so you're i i want people to become conscious and i actually host a a women's meeting and i call it sober conscious conversations um mm. and that's just something that i just yeah that's consciousness is my, is my Mm -hmm. expertise. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful.
1: I mean, again, when I think of just listening to your story, like you found in your alcohol and drugs, a place that you felt safe and held, and now you're providing that, that safe space in a sober without all of those things, you're providing that for others. And again, without your ego saying, hey, you should do this like and that's i believe so beautiful about support communities if if it's women's groups um whatever it is just having that place or retreats or things like that which i love it's like you're holding space for people to just be them and to be to feel okay to open up you know and and reveal themselves a little bit more and you know just have that i love that holding space type of thing. I talk about it with my uh, ballroom dance teacher, my first uh, teacher, and I believe every great instructor can hold space for me to be awesome when I don't believe it. And I believe that that's, that's from what I'm hearing is that's what you're doing. You're believe you're holding that space and you believe that there's a place that they can get to where they can be sober and conscious and happy. So I think it's great.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm happy for you too, because I feel like when we find our purpose in life, you know, it's just a great, um, it's a great day. (laughs) So um, um, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I'm really appreciative of you and grateful for you that you shared um, with me and all of that. And um, in my audience, where can people find you if they want to hook up with you and, um,
0: you know, get some help or just kind of see what you're doing more in the world and Um, I'm the most active on Instagram. My Instagram handle is sobercoach underscore Katie. And uh, that kind of is my daily. I'm there daily. I share daily. I uh, check in daily and connect with others daily. And I also share all of my events that I'm hosting, uh, my weekly Zoom calls that I host and um, other ways that you can connect with me are through there as well. And then I have my website, which is thebodytalkwarrior.com
1: and i'll put that all in the the show notes too. And um just as we look at wrapping up today, what would you you know, what would you like to share that's kind of as some last words or uh, last things that you'd like to share with my audience about
0: about anything, you can.
1: <laughs> really you can, but just what you feel led to to share as we finish up today.
0: There's a quote that i really um love to remember every day. And this is kind of what's helped me since the beginning of my recovery. Um, I heard it somewhere and, you know, it's one of those, I'll just tell you at first and then I'll, it kind of explains itself. It says, um, it's God does for me, not to me. And it allows that quote allows me to be in gratitude for every morning. It allows me to be in gratitude in every situation, regardless of if it's good or bad. And it allows me to stay out of the victim mindset because in my using, that's where I lived was in the victim mindset, which is what led me to using all the time because I just wanted to blame the world for all my problems. But I, when I tell myself that quote every day, it really gives me like a purpose and makes me think, okay, this gives me the opportunity to know that this is happening because I'm going to be able to help somebody else. And that's been my experience. And yeah, I I would love to share with your audience. Also, I have a seven-day guide for self-love. It's just seven easy tips that you can use to create a more self-love for yourself. Not meaning that you're going to just end it and be like, I love myself. But it's just daily things that you can do to really show yourself love. To say, hey, I appreciate you. Hey, thanks for showing up today. Hey, you know, you're doing great. Because if you're like me and you were, you're struggling in your addiction or you're starting off in your sobriety or maybe your long-term sobriety, a lot of that self-love stuff doesn't really show up for a lot of us because we're always thinking about the past or what we did or how we were, or, you know, our daily reprieve and our, our ending our day, checking all the things that we did wrong. And, uh, You know, I like to say, let's check all the things we did right and let's celebrate ourselves. And so that guide is free um, to your listeners and they can uh, shoot me a message. And actually, if they just because they can just spell your name, if they send me Moira uh, Mm -hmm. in my inbox or email, I'll send them over that um, guide.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. They can connect with you on Instagram. And um, if you want, you can if there's a link type of thing when we do the show notes, too, I'm happy to put it put it there, but, um, that's a good, you know, I was, I don't know if you use insight timer at all for meditations. Um, but there's a, I have lots of favorites on there, (laughs) but, um, I usually, uh, when I find a favorite, I usually go scope them out, um, on Instagram and see if they're there. And there is a gentleman Darius who just love his meditations. And, um, anyway, he's also, uh, he's also a photographer. So he does some great things. Anyway, Darius, so I reached out to him because yesterday's meditation was so impactful for me and I felt like it was, and I said, I and so I left him a message on Instagram. And so I say that because it's a great, it's a great way to, um, connect with people. Lots of people are on the gram and he even said, which I thought was really cool. He said, I really feel like it's awesome that, you know, this is just a sidelight, but that I can share a meditation and the fact that I share a meditation and then I'm meditating with someone else around the world or something like that, just that connection. I'm all about connection. And so he's like, it's really cool that you sought me out on Instagram and sent me this nice message to say how grateful I was for that. So I say all that being said, reach out to Katie on Instagram. Um, It's a great place. And you can say that you heard um, her on my podcast. And um, I'd love to get that uh, seven days to self-love too. Cause that's really at the end of the day, that's all we got right. Everywhere we go, there you are. And so um, we need to share ourselves that self-love to make sure that we get it (laughs) during the day. So thanks again, Katie, for being here. I really do appreciate it. And thanks listeners, as always, rate and review these podcasts, share them with others uh, because that's how I can continue this mission of sharing hope with others that we can all live wonderful, vibrant lives and not being defined by our stories, but just know that our stories have power and sharing those with others can help others. And uh, so go make it a great day. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk, and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.